Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a gym buff and um, I'm, 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 I'm a sort of walking wounded individual when it comes to the gym. You know, I've done my knees. I've done my elbows. I've, I commonly do my back. Um, but I keep going back. I keep going back. And, and, you know, one of the reasons why I, you know, do this kind of talking and broadcasting and I don't know what to call it really sort of amateur broadcaster um it's because I used to do videos in the gym I, and I used to yeah I used to video myself on on the cross trainer and the treadmill and just doing random videos and that kind of got me in trouble with with a number of uh, Facebook groups medical Facebook groups oh, right, okay. and um they thought I was a bit too judgmental you know I was what, were you, kind of, what were you saying in these videos? Oh, you know, get out of bed, get into the gym, get sweating. Come on, I guys, see, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's funny you should mention that. I'm not really much of a gym goer, but I've been going a lot this week. I'm trying to make it a habit. And uh, yeah, I'm already feeling a niggle in the knee and uh, berating my age. Happens to us all there, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. yeah I generally yeah. feel good for it, for having been though. So uh, yeah, it's good. No, I mean, I find it sort of uh, a godsend, really. You know, something that, uh, I mean, I've always done it, to be honest. I think since the age of, I think from 15, 16, oh, right. um, I went to the gym. And it's such a great way of, because I'm a quite, I'm quite outgoing individual. And for extroverts like myself, if there's no, you know, extrovert activity you can divulge in. You need that energy release. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely had ADHD when I was a, uh, you know, a child in school. You know, I could never sit still, always fidgeting right. and always on the go. And then, uh, I mean, I always did sport, really. Um, but yeah, gym was a great way of just kind of calming me down. Yeah, positive outlet for all that energy. Yeah, yeah. Are you what what kind of person are you? Would, would you say you're sort of extroverted or not really? And I'm probably, probably there on the introverted side of things, but uh, it depends on the situation, as I think all of these things do, you know, put me in my, in my sweet spot and I'm, you know. <laughs> so in your sweet spot, person, but, uh, so, so in your sweet spot, you're quite outgoing. Yeah, I think so. When I feel really comfortable around friends and family or, uh, you know, uh, maybe, you know, a topic I'm particularly interested in, you know, those, uh, that, you know, that's when the confidence comes soaring and, uh, yeah, happy to. Um, I mean, would you say that's a, something. To be a, a face or. A... <laughs> I mean, would, would, would you say that, would, would you say that that's something to do with sort of strategic thinking that sort of introverts are more strategic in thinking i mean because because i'm not strategic at all i'm literally just like there's right. no strategy involved whatsoever because i'm always out there in the uh, in the unknown right have you ever done the uh sort of insights um uh, i think it normally comes in a wheel or, or a grid and you're a different color like green or red and the green is opposite to the red have you done anything like that before like personality yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i have yeah no, I, um, on on the insights people development, I think it's called. Um, I'm yeah, very much a, a, a green, which is uh, sort of on the introverted, but also sort of quite self reflective. I don't know whether that's uh, the same for everybody. That if you're introverted, you are a bit more strategic. I don't know, but I'm definitely someone who um, likes to sort of ruminate on things and uh, sort of come back a bit later on um, with you know with my thoughts in order rather than um, that sort of red slightly more sort of fiery assertive and get get things done immediately chop 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 you know here's my here's my thoughts and go I'm a bit more of a yeah likes to think about things kind of guy yeah I mean I'm sort of hot red burning sort of thing you know literally just (laughs) keep going until it's an absolute disaster um luckily you know with time I done right you get stuff done yeah but it's all wrong (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know it's I all wrong i bet the wins are great but the uh the losses yeah could be uh yeah i yeah. mean it's mainly losses it's mainly losses <laughs> and, and you know you realize that you know there's only so much 
areas that you can win in, which, which is really small. So, you know, it's like, yeah. right, okay. But it's not like- not like every every approach is going to win every time either. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you need a, a quick, quick, assertive decision rather than someone who's going to sort of prefer to take their time over a decision. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, this is where um, you know other people come in and society comes in and community and you know, so that we can get the full gamut of of uh, flavors yeah. of you know of people. Um, yeah, I think it's important to have that mixture of people on a team to make it successful. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if someone does say do this, I I just do it, and you know, I've always been that way. Never think about it. Um, but yeah, as I'm getting these grey hairs, definitely slowing down, and I quite like it because, you know, you don't you don't get hurt as much. Um, <laughs> you don't look like a fool as much as well. <laughs> um, so that's nice. Um, but sort of being put in leadership positions, it's a difficult one um, because you do need to keep, you know, the ship moving, so to speak. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's interesting. I think there's always an element of grass is always greener as well, though. So like I'm, I'm sat here thinking, oh, actually, I wish I was a bit more like like you've just said sometimes, and now you're sitting there saying, actually, I wish I was not always going in all guns blazing. So I think there's always an element of, um, yeah, grass is greener. And yeah, like I say, you need a mixture of personalities on a team or, um, you know, yeah, a mindset where you're able to take in different people's perspectives or um, you know, ways of approaching things. Yeah, I mean, I've always found it difficult to take that. And, you know, maybe... That's why I'm doing the podcast is just to kind of slow me down and listen to other people and, and actually learn a lot more. And that's what changed my mindset and, um, you know, changed my perspective and, and got me out of my stress and burnout at the time. Um, oh, really? The podcasting? That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just too stuck in my, you know, in my own head and too stuck in my own stories and narratives and perspectives um yeah which is easily done i think we all we're all guilty of that at times yeah yeah no no we are we are and um what was your kind of what was your reason for what was your reason for going into marketing because you've always been in marketing uh yeah well so at university I did uh, I always knew I wanted to do something in in business so I did a, a business degree at uni which uh you know many people tell me isn't a real degree compared to uh, you know medicine and that kind of thing Bollocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um yeah I so I actually did accounting business and management with accounting at, at uni um but I, I didn't really love it and I I guess I sort of figured that it was that was sort of looking at what's already happened at the business Whereas I quite like the idea of trying to generate sales and make make things happen. And so I think marketing just sort of having done, you know, the the accounting for a couple of years, I think marketing just appealed um, to try and, you know, look at that, be a bit more forward thinking, I suppose, and try and make something happen. And I ended up doing a really great um, graduate scheme. So it's a government backed thing called Knowledge Transfer Partnership, KTP. And it was um, the graduate scheme was to work with a small company, whether you are technically employed by a university and you work on a project basis. And my project was to create a marketing function for this small business. And I absolutely loved it. And it's been, yeah, marketing ever since for me, really. So why business? Why was your passion in business? Um, well, I'm going to say it's going to sound a bit cliche. Like I've just always loved it. And I've always sort of... Um, yeah, I've just always been fascinated by it and entrepreneurs, but it's it's not cliche because, you know, normally you get those entrepreneurial types saying, oh, you know, I was sort of, um, you know, selling sweets at playtime at, at, at school and all that kind of thing. I never really did any of that. I always sort of, I don't know, I guess more of an observer of it, but it always really fascinated me. Um, so, yeah, I know. Um, my dad had his own business uh, when I was younger as well. And I think I sort of, you know, looked up, up to that and thought that was really interesting. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I just love the idea of um, of it, really, and working with people and making stuff happen and creating value and sales. And, and yeah. yeah. What kind of business did he have? 
Uh, my dad at the time was um, a draftsman. He did technical drawing um, for like for window systems. So he sort of worked in the building industry. Um, so it was yeah, quite quite niche, quite um, you know a rare skill set. Uh, but then you know CAD systems came in, and uh, a lot of it was automated. So he sort of evolved and did different things in the end. But uh, yeah. Was, so, uh, so I, so I sort of loved it all. You know, everything from the business cards, the letterheads, and all of that. I, just, I don't know. Just found it really interesting as a kid. So he'd actually draw the drawings himself. He would, yeah, do all these like window profiles and things for aluminium window systems or commercial buildings. So had this sort of huge drawing board, um, and he'd yeah have all these you know fine fine pens and big rulers and and all sorts of things and these these giant photocopiers that could do like A1 sheets and you know it all feels feels very old fashioned now. Um, but like you say, yeah, we're all we're getting older and. <laughs> I'm feeling my age now. I'm telling you that story. Did you did did you sort of try you know your hand in drawings and and you know that kind of stuff? No, for I'm not really that sort of creative in that way. So mm. I mean, people think about um, marketers being being creative, but you know, I'm definitely the person who sort of organises the creative um, people. I think that's sort of my approach to marketing. And uh, you know, sort of. Yeah, I'm a bit more strategic in, in that way, I suppose. So I like to sort of think, right, what are the objectives, what are the goals, what are the resources? How am I going to develop a strategy from, um, you know, from those constraints? What, you can, what are your objectives going to be? Then what are the tactics going to be to deliver that strategy? And then it comes to the creative side of things. So whether that's web or graphic design or social, and that's the bit where I go, right, need to outsource that or I need to work with somebody. So, yeah. yeah. So, and- yeah, so I was never that sort of creative drawer kind of thing you know my dad's a brilliant brilliant drawer and I just yeah it's not not for me at all I'm afraid yeah did did, did you give him many strategies in, in terms of sort of business and stuff like that did he ask you about you know what do you think oh, of this I, or I, I was I was very young far too young at that point still still a school kid so uh, yeah no uh, unfortunately didn't get to sort of delve into that I just sort of saw the periphery of it really and like the designs of business cards and Letterheads, as I say, and I just sort of found it all fascinating, you know, seeing his name up there, and um, yeah, I, so I was quite, I was quite young, really. Yeah, yeah, and and who who are your kind of sort of inspirational figures, you know, when you're a teen and you know thinking about business and you know being the oh, next that's... billionaire? Uh, I think yeah, that's a good question, actually. I mean, it's probably sort of. The, the cliche like Richard Branson and you know those types of people like he's such a like I mean he's an extrovert isn't he you know it's the opposite of, of me in that perspective he's very happy to be out there and um, put himself in all the ads and all that kind of stuff um, but you know I was always reading like um, you know biographies of business people like Alan Sugar and Duncan Bannatyne and you know always reading something like that so yeah like I say observing rather than really sort of partaking so it's taken me till my mid-30s late 30s before I actually really got involved in, in being entrepreneurial and trying to start up a business really yeah yeah I mean it's interesting I mean for for, for me um I was really interested in bodybuilding at the time you know when, when I was a teenager right. that was like the only thing on my mind so to speak and I used to buy so many uh, bodybuilding magazines and just seeing those pecs and seeing those abs and and uh, delts that was the only thing on my mind um obviously really, you know there's really other things gym, gym bunny, aren't you? yeah yeah pretty much pretty much because it was such a great outlet you know such a great mm. um place to be and you know i mean i came from you know quite quite a depressive household so to speak so you know the environment wasn't great um right and that was my outlet so to speak you know it was my way of relieving uh you know the family suffering i was in um right so uh, yeah you know as, as we said a, you know a positive outlet really it could have been a lot worse couldn't it <laughs> well yeah yeah I, I, absolutely i mean it was it was sort of my way of outlet was was um to go to the gym my parents' version of outlet was to study. So that was kind of the two things. Right. So, you know, for me, pri- primarily it was gym uh, and secondarily it was study just to keep, you know, the parents off my back, so to speak. 
Um, but yeah, so um, you you were sort of in this kind of entrepreneurial business um, early life. Um, you went to university, which was a bit didn't really tick the boxes. Uh, well, no, I, actually, I, I I really loved my time at uni. Um, mm. It was and it was probably the making of me in terms of you know coming out of my shell a little bit more and you know being more confident in my you know personality that kind of thing so it was great from that perspective I gem- I love most of the course but just where it's you know really specialized in the accounting side of things it just wasn't really for me but uh you know overall I still really loved my time there it's great um and then luckily got that job in marketing yeah it's been marketing so it's a small me. firm what was the small firm doing so they were so they worked in pharmaceutical regulatory affairs so they're a small consultancy company um so they had um, yeah a couple of regulatory consultants, and um, they were sort of um, quite sort of ahead of their time, really. So there was this new format of submitting um, documents um, for regulatory submissions. So you go to the MHRA or EHA for um, um, you know getting approval to sell medication. Um, and um, yeah, there's a new format of submitting all that document called ECTD, so Electronic Common Technical Dossier. And they'd invested heavily in this system, um, but it was really sort of slow to be adopted by pharma companies and the agencies around Europe. So there was that sort of real educational bit that we were doing to try and grow the market for, for I guess, for everybody, really, but really for ourselves as well. Um, so it's really fascinating. Absolutely. We loved it. And um you know, I, I always sort of always say that I fell into sort of healthcare, um, and I did really just I suppose because I, I didn't intend to do it. It's just that's what happened. That first job happened to be, um, but absolutely loved it really. And you know, can you can you do marketing sort of in any sector? Is it sort of you know are are there fundamentals in marketing in any sector? Yeah, so there absolutely are, but that's that's a really interesting question because um, um, the job after that I went to work for um, Bupa um home healthcare so which is like a home medication delivery and a community nursing company and you know I always felt like at the time I was interested in trying something different to healthcare but the recruiter straight away went oh medicine medication medicine yeah here's a healthcare job and that's what they were putting me forward for so I always felt like I'd been like pigeonholed and forced into healthcare a little bit because um they I blame on the recruiters I'm probably being a bit unfair but they would sort of easily go right that's it you've done healthcare marketing and 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 that's it and that's what you can do that's what you're good at but 100% there are principles in marketing um, that can be applied to absolutely every every business um there's you know you could argue there's a little bit of difference between like direct to consumer b2c type companies business to consumer businesses and b2b but really it's um yeah absolutely there are principles that are transferable um i guess you know it just helps if you know the industry a little bit. You can hit the ground running a bit quicker if you sort of know things about how it works. But um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this happens in in, in introverts. You know, in, in introverts gets gets you know they get to be pushed into certain directions and there's less <laughs> pushback. So, um, but you know, I mean, these things happen and and uh, that's yeah, life but- for you. Absolutely. But, you know, to go from like a small five person company and we, we, we did, you know, we did well, we grew it to, to 10 um, and then to then have Booper on my uh, CV straight after that, I just felt it just felt right anyway to go for that, you know, go from a, a very small company to a, a multinational global company felt like a really good career move. And, uh, I, you know, I learned so much from my time there. It's, you know, a very different beast working there. Um, you know, you're a smaller cog in a much, much bigger organisation. Uh, but, you you know, you learn a lot about, um, you know, structures and processes and things that, that you don't get in a smaller company. But in the smaller company, you learn to be a bit bit quicker on your on your, um, on your feet and you'd be a bit more reactive and, you know, get more sort of creative control or, um, you know, get to, um, you know, come up with whole strategies. Whereas, you know, we were larger one you can't you're sort of you know you're given the direction to do and you're given your work to do and that's it so it was it was really great to, to form my career really give me both of those uh, mindsets and and how, how did you change as a person going from a small business to a to a multinational um i think 
you have to learn to be a bit more um corporate if if that's sort of the right mm. way of putting it um you know I you know I don't say disparagingly at all because I love my time at, at Beaver Home Healthcare but you've got to you've got to learn to love a meeting um mm. you know you have meetings about meetings and uh, um yeah all that kind of thing and you know um uh yeah if we wanted to make a change on our website in a small company you just go and make the change to your website whereas now you've got to get everything signed off and you've got to have approval from nursing from legal and and it's got to go up to the web team and then they'll eventually queue it up and you know they've got people from all the different companies across Booper wanting to make website changes as well so there's lots of you know things to you sort of have to learn and adapt to and just sort of understand that's how it works in a much much larger organization and and, and how long were you with Booper for because because you were there for quite some time uh, yeah, I was there for four years in the end. Um, so I, um, they went through um, quite a big restructure um, towards the end of my time there. So I went from just working with Bupa Home Healthcare to working. <clears throat> they created like a, a public sector marketing function. So I ended up doing a bit with care homes as well towards the end. Um, and then actually they've, they've now sold that company off. So it's not part of Bupa anymore. But um, when when it became that bit more sort of um, know, corporately structured group i got a lot more sort of um interaction with like insurance side of the business and just sort of seeing what the rest of the business was doing a bit more and uh, so i found that really interesting um but yeah healthcare provision i guess was really where i was um doing my marketing rather than for like an insurance product or something like that yeah yeah and if 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 you can tell us you know tell our listeners what the sort of fundamentals are i mean most of the listeners here are in the healthcare sector anyway um what are the sort of essential things that you need to take off and and you know really important in healthcare marketing oh right okay yeah well i would the first thing i would always so uh, you know uh, one, one of the things that i do within private practice surgery which is uh, the online membership that um i've just started is um we've got a course around how to um write a marketing plan that's really going to be effective for you as uh, and it and it's you know aimed specifically at consultants um who who have a private practice that's sort of what we're we're all about and there's a great model that um i like to sort of use to create a business or a marketing plan like that called sostack um and it's that's sort of an acronym for situation so you're looking at uh, yourself as a as a product as a service you're looking at your customer and you're looking at your competitors um, that's so that's your sort of situational analysis then you look at your, over your objectives um so yeah what is it you actually want to achieve because you know without a proper clear objective um you know you, you're you're sort of all over the place right it can be chaotic and you, you know you can do you can spend your time doing the wrong thing you can spend yeah time effort money resources all of that doing the wrong things that's not going to get you towards your objectives so looking at your objectives then it's looking at your strategy then your tactics and then looking at the action so um the the people that you've got the people resource to actually deliver some of those tactics that are going to deliver the strategy um looking at the time you've got looking at the money you've got and do all of those things sort of fit and um you know because it's all very well saying you know stupid numbers i want a million pound revenue this year but actually if you don't have the resources and you know or uh, let's let's use the example of a consultant you want a million pound revenue but um and you know i don't know an average um an average sale for you might be four grand or something for an operation five five grand you know that you um convert for a, you know a bit of a, a marketing term but so you convert or you 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 know you need five patients and outpatients to get that one surgery so when you sort of work back those numbers does that actually are you ever going to actually achieve those those objectives so i get you to think about all of those and using the resources and, and everything um yeah just to sort of check yourself really make sure that um those objectives are achievable with the resources you've got and then it's about control and measurement so you know you might find that um the strategies aren't particularly working so you need to then um you know, check back on those, tweak those strategies and those tactics to, to make sure you can deliver those objectives rather than waiting till the end of the year and going, oh, right, well, that didn't, didn't really work. So, um, so that's a bit of a, a bit of a mouthful, but that's the, the plan that I uh, generally like to, to use, it's called SOSTEC. 
And are, are, are there any sort of common mistakes that, that a lot of um, doctors and sort of consultants uh, make when they, when they delve into the private practice world? Um, well, I, th I think um, generally a lot of businesses and companies in any industry um, tend to make the mistake of jumping straight into the communications and the messaging and not really doing that strategic thinking. So, you know, not doing, not creating a patient or a GP um, persona. So not really understanding who your clients are, uh, who your customers are. Um, and so, yeah, so doing that work and that sort of, I mean, it's, it's, it's harder to do, right. But I can almost guarantee that you will be more successful um, over um over time than you will be if you if you don't do that work so yeah that's a mistake that you know a, lo a lot of people do make um and i, and I, th I think sometimes specifically um you know healthcare marketing um and maybe for you know consultants specifically it's not sort of always recognizing the, the opportunity so you know it feels really uh, really obvious to talk about um web profiles that you'll put on your um, hospital websites or the insurers um, you know, I, I think there's such an underrated bit of marketing communications that don't get the effort that you know they really require because, you know, nobody looks at a consultant directory for fun, right? You only look at a consultant directory when you're looking to book someone, you're looking to find someone. So, you know, the number of profiles that I see that aren't really, uh, you know, just basically copy and paste from a CV, essentially, they're not really trying to um you know present themselves or pitch themselves as as an ideal consultant for you know for a particular type of patient and i just think it's a really you know real missed opportunity um so that's one of the things i'd say specifically for consultants as an example but yeah more generally i'd say not sort of doing that prep work and jumping straight into the messaging and, and not really because you know you can be hit or miss for that messaging can't you if you're just going for it and you haven't done that work in terms in terms of working out what it is that really is important to your to your customer yeah yeah and and, and by the sounds of it, it it doesn't i mean it shouldn't take too long should it you know these things uh no not not really no i mean the problem yeah like i say it, it is it is work right and it's people and it's work that a lot of people do try to put off and you know say i'm working with consultants and they're they're ridiculously busy and it is difficult to kind of carve out that time to do that. But like I say, if you, if you do, um, you, you'll be more successful um, than you would if you didn't do it 100%. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it sort of begs the question, you know, do, do they actually need to do this extra work? I mean, if they're busy in their, you know, NHS work, you know, yeah, do they but, actually you know, need if, this sort of extra work? Yeah. If you, but if you want to start a private practice, then mm. then I think you definitely you should. And you know, I've seen a number of consultants over the years who um, they get in, and it's sort of obviously that you know sometimes they're you know they're surprised that they don't have a queue of patients waiting for them immediately on their private clinics. They don't realise they've actually got to try and you know attract those patients. Um, you know, it's obviously not like your your NHS hospital at all, but sometimes that does come as a bit of surprise. Um, so, you, you know, so then what happens is they end up doing uh, a lot of hospitals end up doing some of the e-referral work. And so you you are seeing patients, but it's NHS and obviously it's not remunerated quite as well as if it was an insured patient or a self-pay patient. But then they get themselves in a situation where they're so busy doing that NHS work and it's too high a proportion of your sort of case mix. So you're you're busy, but. You know, you could actually financially your performance could improve an awful lot if you saw the same number of patients, but just change that case mix slightly and you saw less NHS and you saw more insured and, and self-pay. But making that transition can be quite, quite difficult and quite tricky at times unless you sort of have a real plan around it. So, um, yeah, so I, I would absolutely say. You, you definitely do need to put that work in, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And is there kind of a mindset shift or a sort of um, a way that you have to think about things or look at things if if you want to go into more private practice work? Yeah, I, to I, NHS I, think, work? I think so. I mean, obviously, everyone's different. Right. And some are you know, some people are a lot more commercially minded than others. Um, but stage one of the, the pathway of, of courses that I have within um, within private practice surgery, we do actually look at mindset because, you know, I do have members who have said to me, oh, you know, I just feel a bit awkward about 
um, marketing really you know i feel a bit funny because you know we've got the nhs and it's wonderful and i wouldn't want to be seen to be taking anything away from that i feel awkward that it's um you know i'm, I'm now sort of up against um or competing with like, an old boss or something like that and it just feels a bit awkward you don't want to be seen to be sort of promoting yourself in in, in you know when you're sort of chatting with colleagues you know it just feels a bit awkward so there is a bit of a mindset shift sometimes as well some some consultants do have to sort of go through that that process of thinking actually no this is okay this is perfectly legitimate and perfectly okay thing to do and and then it's also about your approach to it so you know everyone's got that view of the the slimy used car salesman or you know dodgy internet marketer you know who promises you you know millions if you just sign up for this course or whatever so you don't have to be like that like really marketing and particularly in sort of private healthcare secondary healthcare is is around making people know that that you're available um and you know making it clear the types of patients that you want to see and you know therefore you're going to end up drawing attracting the right patients to you um so it, you know from a commons perspective, it is relatively simple. You don't have to be this sort of slick, smarmy, salesy, marketing-y person. It's not, it's not like that at all. So yeah, it's sometimes, and that's sometimes what people think marketing is. So there is it's sometimes that bit of a, a yeah, mindset shift, as you say. And, 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 and how long does it take for that to kind of change in your experience? Um, that's a great question. I, I guess it's different for, for everybody yeah. and how long is a piece of string. But I, I think once you do sort of bite the bullet and you you um, get into a private hospital and you see that you've got other colleagues doing what you're trying to do, I guess all of a sudden it doesn't seem quite such an alien concept. So it, it probably changes quite quickly, really, once you get going. But, um, yeah, it's still something that you need to sort of think about. Uh, well, I say not everybody. Some people are, are great. They want to jump straight in, and they you know can't wait to get started privately. Yeah. Um, and is is, is is there a difference you know between surgeons and and physicians and GPs, or is it? I guess it depends on the temperament of the um, of the professional. Yeah, I think it's more down to the individual professional. I think. It, um, It'd be far too easy for me to say, ah, oh, surgeons are a lot more commercial and can't wait to start doing operations. I don't think it's really like that, um, yeah. to be honest. I think, yeah, down to the individual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, sort of going forward and sort of, in, you know, into the future, um, do you think it's, it's going to be more of a, you know, more of an uptake than, than before, given that, you know, there's, there's a lot more issues going on in the NHS? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the latest figures out reasonably recently are over 6 million on the waiting list now and, you know, such a big proportion of waiting over a year. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. I think, I think there's, there's a demand there. And uh, I think I, I don't really have like official figures, but I think over the years, the number of consultants in private practice probably has dropped. But now that there's, you know, such a, because, you know, they're doing lots of other things. There's lots of other exciting ways that, you know, you speak to a lot of, you know sort of entrepreneurial doctors who are doing different things now and, and that kind of thing on your podcast um but i think you know there's clearly such a big demand now and you know i think we might start to see an increase in the number of doctors in private practice um to, to try and help alleviate that demand really and you know at the end of the day people are sort of suffering and, and struggling and they don't like the idea of waiting for for a year or whatever and if they can um, if they can afford to pay or they are insured through work or, or you know for a personal health insurance policy why wouldn't you yeah 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 um i mean are the barriers sort of easier now you know in in, in terms of doctors uh doing uh, more private work or is it just literally a mindset thing and you know if you're ready you'll do it uh, yeah i think it depends on on what you want yeah. out of life, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. you know, consultants obviously got quite busy, big jobs, stressful jobs as it is. Um, but they do have that sort of that time, that day where they could do something if they wanted to, um, privately or or whatever they want to do. Um, I think in terms of general barriers, it probably isn't. Yeah, there aren't any harder barriers. At, you know, I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I think 
sometimes we're seeing some hospitals being um, a bit more strategic about the consultants that they'll give practicing privileges to. Um, so, for example, you know, they, they, they know that they want to be doing more, I don't know, shoulder surgery or something. So they might, you know, bring on an upper limb surgeon rather than a lower limb surgeon if they feel like they're sort of fully stocked um, with those so you're sort of seeing that a little bit in in some hospitals but uh, otherwise no I wouldn't say there are sort of any, any more or less barriers uh, these days and in terms of sort of negotiation skills because because that's something that possibly could be um an issue for a lot of doctors is it uh, is that something that you sort of delve in in your um in your work uh, not as such, actually. No. So, what kind of negotiations are you you thinking about? Well, you know, private doctors negotiating with private hospitals, insurance companies, right. and and uh, you know, other colleagues that that they want to collaborate with. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think um, some consultants feel a bit um, uh, constrained because it is it's sort of difficult to to negotiate with with insurance companies it, it can it can be done um but insurance companies are you know driving the the process so much now and you know you have to really tick all of their boxes before they'll um you know send you lots of patients and um it, it can be frustrating and of course that comes down to price as well you know often driving down prices how much they'll they'll pay for a consultant pay a consultant to do a particular procedure or or outpatient um appointment so yeah it's difficult to negotiate it's not impossible uh, so you're right maybe i should be thinking about uh doing something around yeah negotiating with insurers that'd be quite quite an interesting one to look at actually and 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 do you, do you think sort of the self-paying industry is that is that going to get bigger um, is it going to compete with the with the insurance companies or we're still not there yet? Um, I think so. I, I would say we're maybe not quite there yet. I, I've not looked at the figures for a while, but my understanding is that the proportion of self-pay um, of all the private market has gone up a lot. And it's probably the highest it's been, I don't know, ever or, or certainly for a long, long time. So I think it was roughly a third of patients within that went private were self-pay. So that's changed a lot. Um, but in terms of the overall numbers of private patients, I don't know that that number has massively increased yet. It's just that, you know, the, the payment method has changed slightly. Um, but as, as we said, you know, with, with waiting lists as they are, um, I, I imagine it will, will get bigger and the private market will get bigger. I mean, have 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 you have you done any sort of marketing work for for the NHS per se? Uh, for the NHS, no, I haven't. No, mm, mm, no, mm. I've always worked always worked for healthcare providers like like Bupa or um, yeah. BMI or Circle as they are now. Is um, it is it is it ever ever tickled your fancy or you know would what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I know, I know a few people who have had. Um, some some really interesting roles around PR communications and um, yeah communication manager roles. So yeah, it would be interesting. And I used to work with a lady who um, was really involved in a, a smoking cessation program up in the northwest of England, and and that sounded like really fascinating um, and would have been a fantastic thing to be a part of. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it does sort of tickle the fancy a little bit. Um, it, would be, it would be fascinating to do, but. Um, now I'm finally grasping that entrepreneurial nettle, and uh, uh, you know it won't won't be for a little while. Hopefully, uh, this, this what I'm doing now will carry me on for a few years at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you sell, you know, your uh, uh, egg for for a few billion pounds, I'm sure you yeah, can, yeah, you know, go back into the NHS uh, as a uh, you know marketing whiz kid. Yeah, I wonder how I'd be viewed if. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what's your view of the role of private healthcare in in the UK? Like, have you? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had that or... much experience. I mean, I first sort of delved in back in two thousand eighteen, and it was quite fascinating. Um, I mean, I did a few years in the charity sector, and and I've been in an NHS worker since nineteen ninety nine. So. 
Mm. Uh, charity was was really interesting because you're sort of you know negotiating fundraisers, uh, fundraising, and different stakeholders, and right. you know, dealing yeah. with the work itself. So that was interesting. Uh, and private sector is sort of pretty much the same, really. I mean, you know, you're always negotiating with different people and different parts of the of the same cog. Other patients more demanding. Mm, I think they're more. They expect a lot more for sure. Um, and let's say the sort of level of transparency is probably a bit greater as well, um, you know, because there's a lot more articulation of, of, of expectations. Um, and I guess, yeah. you know, levels of litigation is a lot more as well. Um, so I noticed that when I was in the private healthcare sector. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Actually, I don't know the numbers around that. That'd be quite interesting to look at. Yeah, yeah. I sort of noticed yeah. that. But in terms so of... When when you say demanding, patients are more demanding, do you... Because obviously... I the think their expectation of... was a lot more. Not necessarily yes. sort of demanding. It was just because right. they, they, they have um, a certain level of expectation and you had to meet them at that expectation and then change them accordingly. Um, so because, what were you know, those expectations... Is it around speeds? Is it around, as you say, transparency? Uh, results, I think. Results. Results, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. That's interesting. Uh, they wanted speed of results. Yeah. Um, that was their underlying, uh, you know, that was the impression that I got, you know, more than uh, when I worked in the NHS. You know, there was a sort of a bit more, you know, um, acceptance there yeah, um, yeah sure. and yeah, you know the more access to you and therefore getting the health outcome quicker. yeah that was quite difficult for me to adjust to i must say <laughs> right was it yeah you know it's like you in the nhs you walk in you do your thing and you walk out and that's that mm. um whereas in the private health sector you're sort of on 24 7 um and that was a strange mind shift to kind of get through Oh, really that's that's interesting you said that yeah 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 so i mean you know and now i've sort of gone back into the private healthcare sector again i'm a bit Happy. more accepting yeah. of uh of being available 24 7 again <laughs> but um, it's, it must be nice in terms of like probably having longer with the patients given that sort of one-to-one care a bit more maybe um, well uh, i don't like all the patients <laughs> yeah it's not yeah it's not, it's not the right thing to to say uh, at all but yeah i mean you know there's a lot more demands for sure a lot more demands um in the olden days i'd have sworn a few words about 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 some of these patients but hey um well, we've, we've moved on that sort of, wow do you, do you do you not say you don't see that in the nhs as well yeah, yeah i, I mean, you see in, in the, the world NHS. where people want instant everything don't they that netflix society as they say everything's on, on yeah instant want it now on demand i don't see that as much in the nhs i don't see that as much i don't see that as much um yeah i guess i just great to see you i think the perceptions from me is because you know i perceive the nhs to be like this and then i sort of project my perception on on the patient saying that they're not as demanding whereas you know because my perception in in the private healthcare sector is oh my god it's like you know uh you know the monetary aspect comes into the equation and then i have a certain perception of that monetary equation and then i project that perception onto the onto the patient and client so i think that's what's happening there that's quite interesting yeah 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 i think that's what's happening in those in those situations whereas you know if i you know kind of um equilibrate those two perceptions and sort of try and bring them together yeah you're probably right there's probably no difference whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) you know so um but you know because i see a lot more in the nhs Mm -hmm. you know you kind of get into a routine really quickly um and you know because i see less in the private sector it's sort of a lot more heightened it's 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 like you and you're going to the gym you know 
you know, you've been once and you start feeling all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Yeah. Some good, some niggles in the knee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some of them are niggles and you think there's a, oh my God. And, but you know, it's just part and parcel of growing something that's, that's, uh, that's not so routine. Yeah. No, I can see that. <laughs> so, I mean, um, do you think marketing should be, you know, essentially taught in in medical schools and in healthcare uh, sort of education well, institutions? That's a great question. I don't know if I would uh, be brave enough to say that because, uh, you know, we're, we're You'd be in demand. Right? I mean, you, you know, that could be yeah. another kind of, you know, uh, feather to your cap, so to speak. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like we said before, we're in a country with the NHS, which is obviously amazing. And people are very protective of the NHS, uh, again, rightfully. Um, there are some people who are quite militant about it as well. So if you were to say that, and you know, teaching about marketing, that probably suggests that, you know, you're forcing, not forcing, but encouraging people down a line to, to go private. And um, that might not go down with, well with, with absolutely everybody. I mean, do you, do, you, do you see the need for marketing within the NHS, you know, for, for the professional that works within the NHS? Is there a scope for that? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think uh, in terms of, I think what upsets most people most of the time is communication, isn't it? Or lack of, and that maybe doesn't always fall into um, marketing. That could be down to, you know, through service delivery or whatever. But I think um, there is a lot that could be learned from marketing in terms of communications um that could that would probably be of benefit um but then as as we mentioned you know earlier there are there are um you know parts of the nhs that do do a lot of marketing like like smoking cessation campaigns and other things like that so um yeah absolutely i do think marketing is a bit of a um of a of a, a working life skill that um that people should should sort of learn and, and know about yeah absolutely so could, could could we say that another word for marketing is actually communication? Oh, right. Well, no, because that's when I'm getting on my soapbox, actually. Um, because so many people think that marketing is just the communication um, side of things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much not of that view. So, you know, we talked earlier about doing that marketing research, getting that insight um you know brand is different to, to communications too there's always different elements of marketing um uh, communication is a part of marketing but it is not marketing on its own so yeah i'll, I'll get on my soapbox on on that uh, that idea As, uh, so so it pees you off when you when 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 you hear that kind of stuff yeah i do because it just sort of um it's just, you know, not a full understanding of what marketing is. And maybe make, maybe marketing needs a better marketing campaign for itself so to really explain that to people. But, you know, when you, you think, oh, marketing is just, just adverts and, <clears throat> excuse me, or sales posts, uh, social posts. Um, yeah, that's, that's a very small fraction of what, what marketing really is, in my opinion. I mean, if, if, if you were to sort of take a hypothetical head of, marketing department you know chief marketing officer of of the nhs um what would you call yourself and what would you do that is a that's a big question um yeah i guess i guess something you know, yeah the standard title cmo chief marketing officer or something like that <clears throat> um i would It's really interesting because obviously the NHS is structured in, in quite a unique way in terms of how it's funded. And, you know, there's there's big conversations around um, uh, prevention rather than cure. And I think, you know, there could be some really amazing um, health outcomes and benefits to the NHS if we were able to do um, those sort of, yeah, preventative campaigns, if that makes sense. But it's very difficult to do that because obviously the hospitals and, and, and everywhere gets funded for the patients that they see. And because of that, that funding sort of structure and model is quite 
complicated. It's very difficult to sort of prove the cause and results of those types of things. So, um, yeah, if so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to sort of do more on the preventative and um, yeah side of things, and and sort of yeah, if you see what I mean, like preventing people going yeah. into or needing interventions at you know a later date. But I think that would be really really interesting to look at. What kind of what kind of age hard. group would would you be attacking in terms of prevention and and? Uh... Um, oh, I guess that comes down to the, to the particular. Um, Anything that takes your fancy. I mean, for me, you know, um, I think the earlier the better. Um, yeah. You know, particularly health habits. You know, I think yeah, absolutely. Really yeah. So you know, you know, again, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but you know, imagine how much you might be able to save the NHS treating uh, diabetic patients, yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, you know, if you could reduce type two diabetes with, and you know, you, you do see that with with campaign healthy eating campaigns and um, that from the NHS. You do sort of see stuff like that, but I'd, I'd love to sort of really um, figure out if you could do that on a broader scale and, and, you know, maybe for some some other, you know, less obvious conditions, perhaps. I don't know. I'm thinking off the top of my head at the moment, so I don't have a particular um, yeah. one that I can think yeah. of, but that, that, that kind of thing would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, you've got the brain power for it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because... A lot of people think marketing is just sort of a simple thing, you know, and, and you know, they don't take it seriously enough, and uh, which is a shame, really. Um, but that's the case with most things, you know. We tend to yeah, brush it off as yeah. something that's been simple, but, uh, you know, in fact, it's uh, super, super complicated. And Yeah, if, if you don't work. It can get, yeah, it can get uh, quite yeah, overwhelming yeah. sometimes, yeah. 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 And I've, I've had that, you know, again, working for Bupa or larger companies and, you know, you think you, you get sort of other people going, oh, it's just, just sort of marketing, just sort of doing this. And I go, oh, well, you're just, you know, I don't know, adding a few things up in accounting or, oh, HR, oh, you're just doing it, you know, a couple of policies and organising the, uh, you know, the red nose day celebration. Well, you know, you could be really like condescending and sort of, um, yeah. you know, um about other departments it's not until you actually get in and really understand those jobs and roles that you think oh wow this is actually really big uh, so i think we all do that to an extent don't we yeah absolutely um i totally agree with you and you know it's only until you put your foot in the water do you realize how you know hot or cold it is and and um yeah how unexpected it is is there kind of like an ideal number of workers within a private practice or you know is there something in, in in your head that says yes this is like this is going to work this is really good uh how do you mean you know like number- you know like the ideal i mean i read somewhere that the ideal number of people in the company is about five or seven something around those kind of oh right okay numbers like um, solo solo practitioners or yeah practitioners or so a a lot of um my members at the moment so i I know i'm still fairly new and we've got uh you know still a fairly sort of small group i suppose but most well all of them are um solo practitioners Mm. but you know you you couldn't do everything on your own um but you don't necessarily have to employ someone so you know absolutely you know would recommend a medical secretary for example um you absolutely recommend uh, support on uh, your medical billing and you know sorting out all your invoicing and, and chasing self-pay payments all that kind of stuff so you know you can use um you know you can outsource to people you can run these things quite virtually you wouldn't necessarily have to have all of those people in your organization if that makes sense in terms of like employed um but you definitely need people uh, to help you i think otherwise you would yeah you'd never get anything done you'd be far too busy yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, te- the technology is there, isn't it? Sort of to do all, you know, outsource all these technical things. And yeah, I guess absolutely. it's getting better. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, virtual services, virtual med techs, you know, um, answering your phone. They don't have to be in an office somewhere. They can be, you know, literally anywhere um, as long as they're on, able to pick up the phone at the right time. Um, but, you know, something I'm, I'm sort of quite, quite uh, a bit preachy about um, is, 
yeah, to be wary of just outsourcing everything and not having a clue about what they're actually doing. Um, you know, I think it's really important to actually understand every aspect of your business. Um, like, so when you do go into private practice, that's you know something that I've, I you know sort of talk about within private practice surgery is you've got to really understand what it is that you're doing. Otherwise, otherwise, if you just outsource everything, you're just turning up to do the clinical bits. It might as well just be another shift at your you know NHS job somewhere. Uh, if you actually want to run a practice to to run a business, you really got to understand it. And although you know absolutely um would recommend outsourcing um you've got to really understand what it is you're outsourcing because how can you ever manage their performance how do you know you're not being taken for a bit of a ride or how do you know if something could be done a bit more effectively or or there's duplication going on somewhere you know so yeah i do think it's very important to actually understand the elements of running your business even if you don't actually do them all um so yeah that's something i I sort of quite preachy about um yeah and, yeah no yeah, i mean it makes like... sense it makes sense and and in terms of comparing our our sort of private sector to to the u.s sector is it sort of totally different or are, are there some similarities um in in terms of of marketing um they they do that they're, they're way ahead of us i suppose if, if ahead is the right um way of positioning it um, they they do that a lot an awful lot because they are promoting themselves and um um because yeah the the patient chooses who they want to go to and um you know all the funding systems are slightly different so yeah there is a lot more promotion uh, in the states uh, and there's stuff we can absolutely sort of learn from from them but um i i you know certainly wouldn't want it to be like the states where you know it's all sort of insured and um there's no there's no nhs it's, it's yeah quite different system i wouldn't want it to be completely out there but in terms of how they do market themselves a bit um yeah there's absolutely stuff we could probably learn from them like every single one's you know, going to have their own website for example which you know isn't always the case um with uh, consultants and clinicians in this country i think it's just so important particularly in this um this world where we google everything and uh, everyone everyone checks out reviews for everything so you've got to be on a review platform whether you like the sound of that or not um yeah. you know all those types of things they're just sort of that bit further ahead because you know it's a lot more competitive um out there yeah yeah well i mean it's been really fascinating and and i'm 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 sure the the listeners listening to this have have been enticed by you know actually going out into the um the private sector and um being more interested in marketing what do you think thanks well yeah who knows I hope so I mean I wouldn't want to be seen to be taking anybody away from the NHS or anything like that but uh yeah uh you know if you if you do work um privately then I can absolutely uh help you through private practice surgery so uh, I would love to be able to do that but uh you know if not there are lots of other good resources out there too Awesome. Awesome. And, and, you know, let's, let's finish on this, you know, I mean, you know, what are your three top tips to, um, uh, to aspiring uh, physicians and surgeons who want to, uh, who want to get into the private sector, apart from obviously contacting you, you know, that's, that's not forgiven. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't, me. yeah, you can't pick that one. Yeah. I, well, as I, I touched on it earlier, I think one of the most underrated um, parts of, um marketing communications is those web profiles so um really put some thought into your profile because you can use it on your website you can use it on a review website insurer directory a hospital directory um you don't have to be really really salesy about it but you know just try and sort of make it clear what it is you do who you treat who the people you'd like to treat um and um you know what, what you're good at get you know get a bit of personality across as well so spend some time on um uh, on those um, profiles because they're, they're such an underrated thing like I said nobody views them unless you're actually looking for a doctor right there and then um, so you know if if you sort of told any marketer that you could put um, your product or service in front of uh, a customer who wants to buy right there and then they'd bite your arm off and um, yeah that's what those profiles can do for doctors um, but not everybody um gives them the love that they uh, they should have, I think. So definitely um, spend some time um, 
on your on your profile whether that's you write it yourself maybe you can outsource that right you can you know we, we offer a service through that um for that as well but there are other writers out there who can do that so uh, i definitely think it's important to do that um again touching on what we said earlier about doing that sort of that prep work um so really understanding who your customer is so it, it sounds like a fluffy thing but um a fluffy marketing thing but if you put um marketing personas together so basically customer persona so you know of of the gp referrer typical gp referrer or allied health professional and the ideal patient um i would really spend time on putting um yeah those personas together because it just makes everything else so much more easier um uh, if you you know if you can imagine someone in this persona that you've created who you're writing for so every time you you know you do write your web profile you know who you're writing for if if you're ever doing um an event you sort of you've got in your mind exactly what that that person is like what they're thinking about and what their problems are and it makes it easier for you to address them and be really super helpful to them so like i say it feels a bit like a fluffy marketing thing these um you know gp and patient personas but it's definitely something um that i would recommend doing um and then the last one again we've touched on it um have a website and and do a bit of um online marketing as well so not just the website but you know the the, the free stuff out there such as setting up your google my business profile um that that can make a real difference and it's and it's sort of instant web um digital marketing exposure and presence and um you know when people start to google you because they will you know whether you're being um uh, suggested by their insurance company or by a friend or whatever they're going to be googling you so you want to make sure you're there and controlling exactly how you're being positioned and presented uh, to, to those people so uh, yeah i guess those would be my top three cool of course cool. of course we can help you do all of those three things <laughs> in front yeah of yeah how can people get hold of you what's 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 the best way uh well you, you can come to, to the website privatepracticesurgery.co.uk um or i'm on, on i'm on linkedin quite a lot so uh search yeah. for, for chris rogers marketing and uh yeah you should find me cool cool i mean you know um i did tell a lie you know um that's that's not my last question you know i i i like to finish on this which is you know if if we can go back to sort of chris the um the 18 year old or the 17 year old or the, or the 19 year old who's, who's about to start their, their, um, the university course. And, and, and given that, you know, you've seen what you've seen so far, what would be your um, three what top tips to that Chris? Chris? Yeah. What would I tell 18 year old Chris? Um, I, so it's obviously very personal to, to me, isn't it? But um, I've, I've always cared far too much about what other people think. Uh, I'm worried about looking stupid in front of people um, and I think as time has gone on and it's still something that bothers me now but you know you, as you get older you just sort of get over it don't you uh, and you realize that nobody really cares <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in a bad way obviously your friends and family and, and the, you know the right people care um, but if you you know looking silly or whatever in front of, of, of somebody that you know it's forgotten about almost immediately nobody really cares they're all far too bothered about themselves yeah so i would definitely tell myself that yeah nobody, nobody really cares just yeah. go for it have a go and you know i do think i probably would have got to where i wanted to be a lot quicker um you know like i say i've you know finally delving into some proper trying to start my own business in my mid to late 30s um maybe i'd have done that a lot quicker if i'd uh, you know stopped worrying about what people thought about me so much um i'm also my my own uh, my own biggest critic so i'd probably tell myself to um to just not be so hard on myself um yeah, yeah. give yourself some slack yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's ridiculous the tiny things that I'd beat myself up on, and but would never if you know I would never do that to somebody else. I'd never hold somebody else to that standard. Um, you know, even something you know, it, it, tiny insignificant things that don't really mean anything, right? So, yeah, uh, but I'll beat myself up about that. Um, so yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. That would be quite a nice one to tell myself. I think. Um, and yeah, I guess it, I guess probably. Um, 
sort of I think it's a bit of a common answer you get actually have have more fun I think that, you know those two things have probably stopped me having as much fun as I could have done and that's not yeah. to say that I've had a you know an unfun sure. boring sure. life I've done a lot of great things but whether I sort of fully embraced them and enjoyed them um you know because it yeah. those two things make you, you feel a little bit more reserved don't they um when you're worrying about what people think too much um yeah, I mean, we had we we yeah. we we had a sort of a semi-emergency situation at work the other day, and yeah, we sort of turned it into a fun event, you know, if you can. But right. you know, we did, and um, yeah, it worked out all right. You know, it wasn't as bad as um, it could have been if we kept and, it. And it at, yeah, and it, and it really is right. It really is as bad as he as no, you it's, know, yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. Might. So um, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think I saw this video somewhere of 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 this guy who had a horrendous uh, car accident. You know, luckily he was okay. And then he right. came out, and it was yeah, he was he was having a fun time with the policeman and and huh. and uh, fire brigade, which was quite you know, uh, and it was inspiring. I must say, it was it was inspiring, yeah. and it was um, uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Um, it's been great, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on today. Ah, thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed it.